Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PBR Me, ASAP. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Okay, Phil Mackey, you said something on your radio show this week. Which It's a great show, by the way. I know, I know. I should interject by saying that. I know. Great show, but... You said something that I don't know that I agree with, and I, I guess I just wanted to pull it apart and, and untangle the knot here. You were talking with Eno Saris um, of Fangraphs, and I never know if I'm saying his name right. Eno Saris. Eno. Okay, perfect. I believe. I, that's how Brian so – because I, I, it's one of those I've seen in print a million yes, times. Yes, yes, And so I went and caught one of his clips on MLB Network, and okay. Brian Kenny introduced him as Eno Saris. So I'm guessing, if, if Brian Kenny yeah. has it that way, then I'm assuming that um, that's how you pronounce it. And if we're wrong, then BK, it's your fault. Man. And sorry, sorry, Eno or whatever it is for having you on for like 20 minutes on our show and mispronouncing your name 19 times so he said uh we were talking a lot about Boreos because he wrote a piece for Fangraphs this week which listeners if you're interested you can go check it out he, he basically asked the question do the twins already have a budding ace in Jose Boreos and I don't quite agree with that but like there's nothing that he wrote that I can pick apart and say no you're wrong here um I think my personal opinion I guess is that Boreos is like probably a mid-rotation starter. He, he might be like a number three or like a good number three. Um, upside of being number two. I just I, I don't see a, a Max Scherzer level ace in there. And that's fine. We can maybe pick that apart. But you said, Phil Mackey, something along the lines of Boreos and Byron Buxton are going to be more important to the short and intermediate term future of the Twins than anybody else. And I think you even maybe mentioned Sano. And yes, I, I specifically said those. Two. I think Jose Barrios and and Byron Buxton are more important to the long term success of the Twins than Miguel Sano. So, Not that Miguel Sano is unimportant yeah. to that same success, but yes. So there's where I'll pick position it apart. scarcity and all those things. And I'm being a total nitpicker here, but I just think that the pendulum. This is more of a, a bigger picture question. I think the pendulum has swung in the wrong direction against Miguel Sano locally, and I don't really get it. Like, Buxton and Boreos probably have the upside to be more helpful. Um, assuming, let's let's call it what it is, we're assuming that Sano won't be a good defensive third baseman, we, that he'll be a butcher over there, and that his value is going to be, if he can scrape out 40 home runs in a season, he's a good DH playing third base. And if that's the case, then Buxton and Boreos could both, and hopefully in the Twins' perspective, would both, be better than Sano over the next five years. But one thing I, I want to say that we're kind of just like avoiding in this conversation, tell me if I'm crazy. Because I just wrote a piece on Miguel Sano, so I'm a little biased here, but I'll disclose my bias. I wrote basically like five reasons why you could buy into Miguel Sano as a good defensive third baseman. And I used some highlight clips on him charging the ball. I used the backhanded play where he just like plants that leg and fires a missile over to first base. Um, I talked with Gene Glenn for the story. I talked with Miguel Sano for the story. And I used this piece from, from Fangraphs, too, which Dave Cameron wrote and said, 
maybe we're underselling Miguel Sano's athleticism just because he looks like a big, fat football player. And I kind of think I agree with that. Um, so so here's the my blanket premise, and I realize that on a radio show you don't have the time to spell this out the way I'm doing it and being very long-winded and annoying about my point. And my point is that while Sano has this tremendous upside of being like a big power hitter, good defensive third baseman, it seems less likely to us because we've seen some butcher qualities as a third baseman. Yeah. So his downside then is a guy who strikes out all the time. Yeah, he'll hit some home runs and is terrible in the field and is like a value-added player, but not a big one. Okay, well, I think we'd agree with everything I just said there. You and I are basically on the same page there. Well, Byron Buxton and J.O. Barreos, in my mind, are the same. And that is that the downside of a guy like Barreos is that he never figures out his fastball command. He can't figure out the four-seamer. He doesn't know where to spot it. And so he's kind of just guessing. And on days that he has a fastball command, he's great. And he's going to strike out a lot of batters. He's going to miss some bats. He's got great secondary pitches, which I've been talking about for a year and a half now. But those kinds of guys are fourth and fifth starters. So maybe that's the downside. And the upside is... He's great. He's one of the top of the rotation stars for the Twins for the next six years. Byron Buxton, I'll be short. Same thing. Obviously, the upside is, you know, superstar. We, we've talked about that for a lot. The downside is, boy, he's going to steal some bases, and he's going to hit for some power, but he's just going to strike out so much. Low batting average, glove first guy. So we have a wide range in three different important players for sure. the Twins. And my point where I'll pick a nit with you is that we tend to focus on Sano's downside. I think more than some of the other guys, and, and don't give credit to the full spectrum there. So I, I refuse so. to concede that Miguel Sano <laughs> has a chance to be a better. Or, uh, I should rephrase. I refuse to concede that Miguel Sano's upside is higher than Byron Buxton's. Byron Buxton's upside yes. is best player, overall player right. in baseball upside. We're on the same page. Miguel right? Sano cannot reach, to me anyways, cannot reach best player in baseball upside because he'll never be a tremendously great defensive player. I think his upside as a defensive player is third base. And serviceable, not third base and Brooks Robinson. He's, yeah, or, he's, he's not Adrian Beltre. Yeah, the the other red flag with with Sano, and it's not like a deal breaker red flag. He's still going to be a major leaguer. There's no there's no doubt that yeah. that Miguel Sano is a major floor leaguer. Floor is cleanup hitter. Yeah, so he he's a major <laughs> leaguer. Barrios might not be a major leaguer. I mean, there, he possible. he hasn't proven yet that he's a major leaguer. Um, Sano strikes out so much. Yeah. And it's weird because he shows great plate discipline at times. He doesn't just flail at sliders like a young Tory Hunter or like uh, Sammy Sosa in his prime. He used to swing at everything that was a foot outside. If it was a slider and it started on the edge, like he's committed to that pitch. Yeah. Michael Kadire, even until late in his career, would swing at those pitches. And Sano doesn't just flail. I think he's too aggressive in two-strike counts sometimes where he treats two-strike counts like it's 3-0 and and he's got the green light, and he doesn't care if he strikes out. And maybe that's going to serve him long-term. But if he doesn't cut back on the strikeouts, he will not be the 300 hitter that drives in a lot of runs like a Miguel Cabrera. Sure. He'll drive in runs, but he's not going to drive in as many runs as the top RBI producers who have higher batting averages. So if he, if he maintains a 30-plus percent strikeout rate yeah. and doesn't play good enough defense to stick at third base, now he's a first baseman DH who... We'll hit a bunch of home runs, but isn't going to be an elite, elite on-base guy and an elite, elite uh, run producer in that yeah. he doesn't have a super high batting average with runners in scoring position. He, like Chris Davis or something. And those guys, right? be, yeah, and those and Chris Davis is the best of that type of player. Right. So 
like the guy who has a, a low, like a three true outcome hitter, right? Yes. You can find those guys a lot easier than you can find starting pitchers mm-hmm. with stuff like Barrios mm-hmm. if you can channel it even to some degree and center fielders who play gold glove caliber defense and give you anything offensively. So here's, here's where you we can, might like, agree. You can play like $10 million a year for that type of player. Right. On, on the market today. Yeah, or $3 million in some cases if you go, like, really down there. But it, Like Mike Napoli, I know he's, right. he's aging, but Mike Napoli, what did he sign, a two-year $20 million contract or whatever it was, like $10 million a year? Let me interject something quickly before I then – maybe we are on the same side of this argument, and maybe I just heard you wrong or something. But when I talked to Sano for that piece, and you you can find it on um, 1500ESPN.com, a little quick plug, that he talks – when he talks about offense, he talks about wanting to become Miguel Cabrera. Striking out less often this year, but not losing the power, turning the power into all fields power, which I legitimately think Miguel Sano has. Did, did he specifically cite Miguel Cabrera by name? Or? I said, "What do you want? To, like, what's your goal as a hitter?" He said, "Strike out less, more power, be Miguel Cabrera." And I said, "Well, Miguel Cabrera, that's a lofty comparison." And he doesn't flinch. He says, "Yeah, I know. Like, I know." But when he talks about defense, and this is where I was going with this, he talks about guys like Adrian Beltre and Manny Machado. So it's like. Okay, it's clear that he just has sky-high confidence, and maybe take that for what it's worth. Here's the thing, okay? The the Miguel Cabrera thing is very interesting, and the fact that he has that in his mind. Miguel Cabrera came in the league when he was 20 years old in 2003. Actually won a World Series on that Marlins team. He has never struck out more than... Okay, he struck out 148 times in his second year. His high after that is 127 strikeouts. And about half the time, he strikes out fewer than 100 times in a full season. Yeah. Miguel Sano? I know, I know. Miguel Sano has struck out already 178 times last year yeah. and 119 times in 80 games in 2015. Yes. So he strikes out twice as often about as Miguel Cabrera, even as a young Miguel Cabrera, back in the early days of being 20 and 23 years old. So we'll see if he cuts down on that big hack that you're talking about, because I think some players legitimately are doing that and just saying, hey, I don't have, like, I remember Evan Longoria being quoted in this Tom Verducci piece a a couple years ago. This is like 2013. I was reading this in SI. And he said, I don't have a two-strike approach. Like, that's one thing that you'd need to know about me. That, like, traditional baseball guys will think, I am being selfish by, like, not choking up and putting the ball in play. But I just think that me putting the ball in play doesn't help us enough over the course of a season. Whereas if I swing for the fences, I might hit five two-strike pitches out of the park. And if I choke up and make a little feeble tap swing, I might get, like, five extra, you know, infield hits throughout the course of the year because I was cutting down on my approach. I don't do that. The trade-off's not worth it to me. I think Sano, he hasn't verbalized that, but it's pretty clear he looks at it kind of the same way. So I'm curious to see if his approach changes. I I don't know if that would work for him or not. I don't know. Um, It'd be interesting. I'd be curious to follow that along and and that sort of trend. But, like, if the Twins are going to be World Series contenders, I kind of feel like they need Buxton and Barreos and Sano to work out. I also feel like the most likely guy to work out, and so then in some cases you might say most important, would be Miguel Sano. I, I think that if the Twins lose 90 games this year, which is possible, I mean, I don't think super likely, but it's possible, that it's possible Sano will be their best player and the other two guys wouldn't have done anything. I think it's much less likely that Sano bottoms out and hits his, like, 10th percentile 
then that same thing happens to Byron Buxton or J.O. Barreos. And I, I guess that's where I was going with the argument, that if I'm being semantical and picking apart the word most important to the Twins, I think there's a non-zero chance that Miguel Sano is their best player over the next five years, and that maybe that wouldn't be a great sign for the Twins, but it's... It's a possible reality that could be faced. I'm just proud of you for avoiding Robbie Grossman in this conversation for 10 minutes. Your guy, Robbie Grossman. Impressive. Paps Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Paps Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Paps Blue Ribbon a Twin Cities favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me. ASAP. Hey guys, it's Phil Mackey here. For all of you Twin Cities area listeners, to tell you about Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard is the location. My family and I have been going to this car dealership and service department for three plus decades. And there's a reason for that. It's the best in the business, the smartest and friendliest people in the business. They'll treat you like family. So find out why my family and I have been going to the same dealership and service department for multiple decades, right on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. This is Jeff O'Brien, attorney with the Loman Abdel Law Firm, with a case in point sidebar. On May 11, 2016, the Defend Trade Secrets Act went into effect. The act extends the current Economic Espionage Act of 1996, which criminalizes trade secret thefts to the civil arena. This means for the first time, trade secret owners can now bring suit in federal district courts without having to resort to another basis for jurisdiction. While not without critics, the act is a major step forward in the protection of intellectual property in the United States, not least because federal law now fully recognizes four types of intellectual property, patents, copyrights, trademarks, and now trade secrets. Minnesota Statutes Chapter 325C also also provides a civil cause of action in state court for the wrongful misappropriation of trade secrets. If your business has been victimized by the misappropriation of its confidential information, contact an attorney to determine if you have claims under either federal or state law. This is Jeff O'Brien, attorney with the Loman Abdo Law Firm, with a case in point sidebar. <laughs> 